Hi there, you are listening to the Being Unstoppable podcast, where we talk about being unstoppable in your business, brand, and life. I'm your host, Carolee Fontanelli, and as an entrepreneur, law firm owner, and course creator, I understand what it takes to get to the next level. Through scaling my law firm, making tons of mistakes along the way, and celebrating loads of success, I love to share my secret sauce tips and strategies on how you too can become unstoppable. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Carolee Fontanelli, and I'm so glad that you are tuning in today. No matter where you are tuning in from, I hope that you are having a fabulous day. I most certainly am because I am bringing you today an incredible guest, Bron O'Lone. She is one of my star students in the Scalable Business Lounge and only started her business in October. She has already started scaling and the incredible thing about Bron is that while she's been scaling her business and starting it, she has also written a book that became a best Amazon seller last week. So it is amazing the traction that she has made in such a short time. And I would say after you listen to her on the podcast, you will be absolutely inspired by her go-getter attitude and just jumping in there and getting things done. For now though, before we get started and before I introduce you to Bron, I would love to read you out a review. I am so fortunate to have received a review by at Gold Chalk. This is from Kylie. Thank you so much, Kylie. Love listening to this podcast. So much business gold. I'm ready to scale my business. Thanks to you. Thank you, Carly. Well, thank you, Kylie. And I have been over to check out Kylie's Instagram at Go Gold Chalk. And you should do exactly the same because her Instagram is absolutely beautiful. Well, I would love to now introduce you to my special guest. So let's get started and tune on in to what is a absolute great podcast with so many incredible tips, especially if you are in the early days of business. Well, I'd love to welcome Bron to the Being Unstoppable podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Carolee. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So Bron is one of the amazing students in the Scalable Business Lounge, and she is also a fellow family lawyer in North Sydney. Uh, And I would love to hear from you, what makes you unstoppable, Bron? That's a a big question, Carolee. Thank you. I think what makes me unstoppable at the moment, and I think it changes, but at the moment, what makes me unstoppable is that I've started this law firm and I've got, I've got my eye on the prize. I'm really set. I've got a goal and I'm set to, you know, hit that goal, which helps me to kind of, um, just focus on what I've, what I'm ticking off on a monthly basis, basically. Um, so I think being unstoppable for me is about, um, having those goals and making sure that you can hit those goals. So you've got clear direction and you know where you're heading. Do you mind yep. sharing with us where that is? No, no problem at all. Um, where What I want to do, I'm growing this firm. So we started in September last year um, with, with a little bit of help from you actually, Carly, <laughs> with the Scalable Business Lounge. 
Um, that really helps with goal setting, actually. Um, I want to take this firm to a place where I'm employing um, solicitors. I've got one solicitor at the moment. Um, I, I need another solicitor right now. Um, want to get um, a nice group of staff together and have, a, you know, a revenue stream coming in where I'm earning a lot more than what I was earning as a senior associate um, and then being able to step back and have that business run with me overseeing it, um, I guess, essentially as a CEO of that business. That sounds amazing. Sounds like Thanks. the ideal dream of every business owner. It is. It's the yes. ideal dream. Yes, it is. Um, so you started only in September, did you say, in 2020, right yeah. in the middle of everything. Uh, what brought you to starting your own firm? Okay, so I I have, it's always been a, a goal to start my firm at one time, at some point, because I had run a business in the past before I was a lawyer. Um, so it was that long-term plan. And then essentially we we hit COVID and we all went home to work and I was sitting at home and it was me and my laptop and my dogs sitting around at home. And I thought to myself, you know what, I can do this myself. I don't need the structure of a, of a big firm. And it was a lovely firm that I worked in, but I don't need that structure to be able to do this and start my dream. And so funnily enough, I think COVID gave me the strength to be able to do that and to see that I could do that. And, you know, I reckon a lot of people have had that same experience. I 100% agree with you. I think COVID mm. has been a real kick in the pants for a lot of people. <laughs> I actually have friends who bought a yacht and now live on their yacht because see? of COVID. And in the same year, they were having a friend that was um, really sick and passing away of a terminal mm. illness. And so they just thought life is too short, let's go. And I'm loving watching their journey on yeah. their cat like currently in the like heading towards the wet Sundays. But, you so know, like wonderful. it's amazing. Um, you know, just to have that real kick to go, life's too short. I need to be doing what I really would That's like to it. do. And, and to be able, and, and as you said it, Carly, it's that kick. It's saying, I can, I can actually do this. I don't, what do I actually need? What tools do I need to do it? But then let me say this. So I had that, I had that epiphany where I said, I can do this on my own. And off I went to start um, pulling things together. But then I quickly realized that there's a lot more to it than just, you know, opening up your laptop and thinking of a name for your firm. So I, yes. I did quickly realize that. And that's the thing, isn't it? I think when we first start a business, we want to start a business because we want more freedom. I think most people start a business because of that reason. Would you agree yes, with that? Absolutely. It's it's that it's the goal, isn't it? To just be able to not have to work crazy 80 hours a week, like we were talking about before. Yeah. yeah. And it's the flexibility to be able to go, if I want to start work at six o'clock in the morning and then I want to take half the day off in the middle of the day, I'm free to do that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So with starting, what with the, you, you know, you start off with this crazy bit of excitement, you think of a name, you, you get your website all up and running and then what happens? Well, do you know what? I, for me, it was um, because I've run a business before, I did know this. I knew that it, nothing, it doesn't have to be perfect to start. You've got to just start. You've got to jump off that cliff and just give it a go. So I didn't have the website ready to go straight away. I just kind of started and then I quickly built as I went along. And that's been the theme for me since September that I've been building as I go. It's almost like, you know that, you know that, um, 
that game Minecraft. Yes, that all the kids unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, <too laughs> if much. you have small children, you know the game Minecraft. <laughs> That's right. It's like sometimes I kind of feel like I'm in a Minecraft game where I'm bu- like I'm standing there and I'm building as I'm going and then I get to a point and I build this really cool house and then I go, oh, okay, now what? So then I move to the next thing and I make it bigger and yeah. bigger. So that's how I feel it's happening at the moment. But look, just um, back to your question about what happened next. It was just, for me, the big thing was client acquisition to start with, because the firm that I left, I didn't want to um, take any clients with me. I didn't feel that that was the right thing to do. And I wouldn't want, you know, I wouldn't want that happening to me. So I didn't, I didn't do that. And I started then from scratch and I had friends and I had people that I knew who were um giving me work but that was my big thing to start with the client acquisition strategy so getting predictable income coming through the door yes and you know and that's still a struggle like it goes up and down yes I know we're on a podcast but I'm kind of going up and down with my hand here but just it's how it feels it's very up and it, it feels up and down but I think just over the past couple of months, it started, the, the down has been a lot higher than what yes. it was before. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, you end up with, I mean, you're a very new business. Um, you've already started scaling by employing people. Yeah. Um, and, you know. And, you know, and Carly, that was actually because of you, because I didn't have, I d- did not have the courage to employ someone. I kept thinking that is just too big a leap for me at the moment. And then, I got involved with the Scalable Business Lounge and um, you and I had a chat um, and and going through the figures and actually thinking about what that would look like, get, that gave me the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And there was one, there was one excellent podcast that you did, Carolee, that I listened to so many times. I don't know if you probably remember it, you'd know it, about um, talking about, was it, is it the four things that you need to do? to be able to scale your business. And one of those things was that you've got to get that, you've got to make that leap of faith, um, employ that solicitor and don't start with a baby junior person because I don't have the time to deal with that. Bring in someone that can actually do the work. Well, what happens with um, lawyers particularly, but lots of service-based businesses is what they do is they uh, they think, okay, well, I can't really afford to employ someone yet, and but I yes. know I'm really busy and I know I need to employ someone and I'm really scared about it. So I'm just going to employ a baby of, you know, that doesn't have any experience. That's because it. Because they can help me. but And I can it, afford that. And I, I can, can afford, afford to have, yeah. But, but you actually can't. It's false economics. And the reason it's false economics is that you end up employing them and then they get you more bogged down rather than take work off your plate because you have to look after them the entire time with everything they do. So you have to, you know, and it's very onerous initially that's, until that's you it. train them and then but you often train them and then they up and off anyway. So it's, <laughs> so sometimes it's better, <laughs> especially early on, to get the um, the more experienced service provider or lawyer on your team who can be self-sufficient and then you can really focus on actually getting work and to feed them. So, you know, and then and the way that I've always looked at it as well is that because a lot of law firm owners, they then keep the good work for themselves, whereas I look at it like if I get good work in, 
and then give it to them. It makes them feel fulfilled and trusted. Absolutely. You know, and it gives them empowerment to be able to do that. That's exactly, I can see how that would work. Absolutely. So for me, after I I got the courage essentially to um, make that decision to employ someone, I then reached out to my network I found um, a, a colleague, well, she's actually, she's not a colleague, she's more than a colleague, she's a friend, who I had worked with for like three years in a previous firm was, you know, looking to move. So we, you know, I reached out to her, we had a chat. It was the perfect timing for both of us. So her name's Sabrina and she started a couple of weeks ago and wow, the difference. Like it's yeah. just amazing. She... um you know, she's got a good amount of experience. I'm just, you know, I've got, I'm trying to stop myself from loading her up too much too soon. Um, But she loves it. She loves the work. She's so happy just to take it on. And it's just made an incredible difference to how I'm running my weeks. But I can, or as I said before, I can already see that she's starting to reach capacity and I don't want to go back to what I was doing, which was working really long hours servicing the clients. Yeah. I, I want to be able to um, keep growing the business. So already I'm kind of starting to think about, all right, wh- what's the next step? What do I need to do now? So I can make those decisions before we get to that point of, you know, that awful thing of, you know, you don't want people to burn out and feel like. Yes, you don't. And so, and that's the thing about creating your own firm as well, is you can create your own rules in terms of we don't have to lawyer the same way or provide the service the same way or treat our team the same way that it's standard in the industry. So what what kind of firm do I want to work in? You know, what kind of environment do I want to create? And so, you know, in my firm, for example, I really get disappointed if I hear that lawyers are checking emails after hours or, you know, and I try and teach them not to do those things because it does lead to burnout and it's totally unnecessary. And you can't do anything at 10 p.m. or on a Saturday anyway. That's right. Stress out about what you've got to do on Monday. And that's right. That is is one of the reasons that it's, you know, an industry where we do burn out because we don't have boundaries and we have employers um, that encourage that behaviour rather than discourage it. You, you've hit that right on the mark and one of the, that was a, another reason why I wanted to go out on my own because I kept thinking there's got to be a better way. I think that we're a really competitive lot, generally, lawyers. You know, we're all high achievers um, and we want to do, you know, the best that we can. But I think it comes down to culture in a firm and what you're saying there about your firm. I mean, that sounds wonderful to have that expectation for staff that, you know, no, please don't check your email. Please don't do that over the weekend and at night. Everyone should be clocking off by 5, 5.30. It's, you know, we want to we want to enjoy our work-life balance. Yes. And that's, yeah, that's definitely something that I'm um, putting in place for my firm where, you know, at, well, at the moment we're in Sydney, so we're in lockdown anyway. Um, but the whole idea of, you know, being flexible and working from home. If you want to work from home, that's fine. You know, we've got work that we've got to get done. And, you know, we, ha- we have a huddle on a Monday morning to um, have a check-in and see what we've got going and we, we're, in, we're touching base all the way through the week. But, you know, it does not mean that my staff have to be sitting at the desk next to me um, while I'm watching over them at all. It just yes, doesn't need to be like exactly. that. Exactly. And especially when you hire experienced people, 
um, you're not then needing to, you know, manage everything that they do all the time. You're, you know, just can let them go and do good work. Yeah, that's right. So that's, I guess that's, that would be my next question for you then is <laughs> just, yeah, who, who is that next hire? But that might be a, a conversation for another day, but it's, it is, it's hard to know whether I, yeah, like how, what is the best thing to do moving forward at this point? So the, um, when I've, I've just released how to automate your profit inside the scalable business lounge, which I know you're clever lady. I know, which is available for everyone in there. And in there, what we do is the most boring thing ever, but it's really important. And that is to do a time audit of your time for Mm -hmm. three days. And what that allows you to do is to see in black and white exactly what low end tasks you are doing. Um, so that you and work out what's low end, what's medium, so, and what's high. So, so can I count? Can I count um, that you know low end is cooking dinner for my family every night? Can I outsource <laughs> yes, that? Yes, well, you can definitely outsource <laughs> that. Um, uh, so you know, working th- through those things and then actually auditing it and going right. These are some of the things that I can get off my plate, and it, that's a bulk of client work. So then you could go, well, I need another solicitor for that. Or you could go, these are all really admin things that a VA could do over in mm-hmm. um, the Philippines. So those are the sorts of things that we go through. And then when with the automating the profit, we also talk a lot about systemizing so that everything gets done exactly how you want it to be done. Um, but I would just also say, you know, settle into having um, your first employee. And really, I think sometimes when firms or businesses scale too fast, you are you don't have the skills to keep up with grow, the growing team so just slowly but you know slowly do that that's um, really that's very good advice carolee and I, I i i'm looking now at the processes and thinking you know the processes that worked for me when i was on my own start to you start to see cracks when you've got another person on board. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that when we are self-employed, we are the worst employee in our business usually because we don't follow processes. It's all in our head. (laughs) (laughs) It's all in our head and we fly by the seat of our pants a lot of the time. Whereas, and so if we, we would be really disappointed if our employees acted in the same way. So really it's a time to potentially consolidate and start getting those processes in place. So potentially, you know, having an admin person that can help you with those processes and getting them all drafted and in place might be the next step. But that's all inside um, the Scalable Business Lounge and Automate Your Profit. So we, what we want to do from a very early point, which I did not do in my firm, is to automate things and and systemize things so that as your team grows, people can slot into your systems. Whereas what I did was around the wrong way, which has kept employing people until I couldn't manage anymore and it was all be out of my control. Mm. So you've got to then peel it back and start systemizing. And of course, when you do that, people don't like it because they don't like that they've had free reign to do things higgledy-piggledy all over the place as they wish. And now you're telling them that this is, we're implementing this. So people often Yeah, that leave. would have been hard to manage. Yeah, It is hard to manage and it took a quite a few years to work through. So when you are wow. starting from the beginning and putting systems in place, then when people come into your firm, 
they can then learn this is the O-line family, O-line family law way of doing things. This is how we do it here. And they hit the ground running doing things in your culture and your, your systems in your way. That's, I mean, to be able to run my firm and not make those mistakes and to be able to start with it all, you know, tight and beautifully running, I think that would be fantastic. It will be. And you'll be, you'll be in a really great position much sooner than I ever was because I, because I wasn't doing that <laughs> and I was learning the hard way. And when I'm working with the law firms, that's where I see people really come unstuck and you really can't mm-hmm. move beyond the million dollar mark uh, and turn and so at the million dollar mark often you are working really hard yourself as a business owner so you're servicing all the clients as well as running a business as well as leading a team um, and you can't actually get to the next level because there's a little, too much chaos in your business and so people keep leaving and then you're I- unable to attract the right team members so you've got to get all that foundational stuff right so that you can then accelerate through that and when I look at my figures and I look at the history of the business that's where I see the biggest being stuck was was sort of between the 600 and 1.2 because in those years that was when I was most out of control and messiest yeah, right. You've, you've really got my mind ticking away. Just, I mean, even just thinking back to um, a previous firm that I worked at where, you know, at, at that level, you, you know, you can see the wheels starting to fall off um, with it. it make, it's hard. It's hard well, to what you're take doing it to is, the next step. That's it. And what you're doing as a business owner is you're putting out fires all the time um, and you're being responsive yeah. all the time rather than being ahead of the game. And so, you know, you go out and you mingle with other you know, practice owners or whatever. And then, you know, the common conversation is, oh, I can't get any decent team members. Uh, You know, I'm so frustrated. There's, you know, um, putting out fires all the time or they even have on their LinkedIn profile, I'm a fire putter out (laughs) or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's not a badge of honour. You're a fire putter out because you are not leading from the front. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't just go and hide in your office, right? I've, I've seen that as well. Um, you know, principals shutting their door and saying, "Don't come to me between the hours of nine and 12. It's like it shouldn't get. To, it shouldn't even get to that point. Yeah, it shouldn't get to that point, but it does. Your office becomes a train station. You yeah. don't get any work done, um, and you end up working eighty hours a week because you don't have any systems in place. So you're not creating a self sufficient team that knows how because. Your team want to please you. Yes. They want to do a great job. But if they don't have clear direction, they don't know how to please you. Yeah, and I guess that then just comes back to the processes, doesn't it, to having that direction with the processes so that people know what they're doing. So they come in and they're not second-guessing themselves because the law itself is hard anyway. Yes. It's hard. So to have all of the other things in place... It has to be able to make people's jobs easier. That's right. And, you know, I've worked before with a principal where they just yell and slam yes. files down on the desk and slam doors. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, that's not fun. They shall people. remain nameless. But, yes, it does happen. And I think, yeah, 
yeah, maybe we should send all of them your um, linked yes. scalable uh, business. Uh, well, that particular one's not practicing anymore. So, oh, well, that's probably uh, a good thing then. <laughs> uh, so, what did you do? I'm going to ask you this because I'm sure other people are wondering as well. What was your previous business? Um, so I've done a few things before I went into law. So I was, um, firstly a primary school teacher and then I worked, um, as a, um, a lecturer university and I wrote courses for teachers. So I did a whole lot of that sort of stuff, um, and worked in the the IT industry for a little while. But then I, when I started to have children many, many years ago, um, I wanted to work from home. So I started up a business selling stuff online yes. back in the day when that was all new right yeah happening a lot and the idea Carolee was that I would do that from you know my front room in my room in my house and yeah. I would be at home and I'd be able to be there for the my children but it got big quickly to the point where I was spending my days working in a warehouse which was never what I kind of had envisaged for myself working in a warehouse with lots of staff and it was you know it was going gangbusters so learned lots there about marketing and um lead generation and that kind of thing um but didn't want to it what it, it, it would never meant to be that big yeah never meant to be my thing it was just kind of a a, a stopgap so I sold it um and and then I went into law which I'd always wanted to do. So that background, I think it, it helps me to realise why this stuff that w- what we're talking about now is so important. Yes. Um, because I can, I, I know from running a business before and being out of the law, the industry of law, how, how the other world, how the rest of the world operates in business um, and how, you know, how important it is to communicate those things as opposed to just living in a law bubble, the law yes. land bubble. Well, I think that a lot of um, law firms aren't successful because they don't actually, you know, and they just have this attitude that you're not actually a lawyer unless you're working 80 hours a week and it's painful. Yeah, and I think also that's very true. And also I think a lot of lawyers say, and possibly, you know, rightly so in some regards, I've studied really hard. It's cost me a lot of money and I've put a lot of time and effort into this. So therefore I should be able to just open the door to my firm, hang out my sign and they will come. The clients will come. And I think that's the case. I think, you know, lots of people I know have have done that and, you know, they're putting food on the table and they're being able to, they're paying themselves. But it's that difference between going from that to creating something bigger and more meaningful well, perhaps not more meaningful, but bigger and more scalable that helps, I think, to have a, a different background or otherwise to get um, to get advice from people about how to run a business. It's yeah. not about it's not about law, it's not about being a lawyer. It's about how to run a business. That's right. And I think when you're running a business and you're uh, you're employing people and you're creating a culture, um, that's different from other firms and things like that, you you are making a bigger impact as yeah, well. Which absolutely. Is, which is really exciting to think, you know, like I've always loved the thought or the fact that I get to work with who I want to because I can pick them. <laughs> that's that's so true. And how many how many staff members do you have at the moment currently? Uh, 14. So that's just amazing to be yeah. able to have 14 people that you're you know, you've, they're, they're able to work and you're overseeing that. It's wonderful to have that influence on people's lives. That's right. And, and you know, like to be able to provide that safe 
space in an environment that otherwise can be quite um, difficult for people. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, the horror stories that I hear about what the way people have been treated and, you know, I've got a couple of colleagues, you know, friends of mine who have been in situations where they've been in law firms for 10 years and it just about to me sounds like domestic violence the way that they're treated. <laughs> Right, it's, it's terrible. Bad. Like, well, yep. they come out of that situation literally and need time off, and you yeah. know, have um, you know, basically have breakdowns because they and they yeah. feel that they are no good anywhere else because you know it was that firm that was propping them up, but it's just because they've been told rubbish for that long. Yeah, that's right. You know, and like that to me, it's just so disturbing that that kind of environment exists for people to work in. And that people stay there, but they stay there because they are made to believe that they are no good anywhere else. That's right. I think one of the things, that's right. One of the things that I always say to people who aren't my my non-lawyer friends about the industry, and I really feel that this is true, is that lawyers eat their young. Yeah. They they just, it, it. it's so difficult for a young solicitor to come through and to keep their sense of um, pride about their work and being ha- stay, remaining happy in their work because, as you say, like it, it becomes quite disturbing and people hit burnout. It happens all the time. So, that's you know, right. that's a question that I always have in my mind. How can I, how can I make sure with my firm that I'm not going to um, – succumb to that 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 I'm not going to allow that to happen in this yes. firm well um, that that all comes down to your values and implementing your values into your business as well which you know will will feed across the way that it is for your team and your clients and you know everything and you have as a business owner complete control over that culture yeah and I think um you know, I'm just thinking now as we're talking the different things that I'm doing at the moment to establish that culture um, that becomes even more real when you start having employees. Yes. Um, and I think you actually really need a plan for that. You, you can't just wing it either. You need to have, uh, my view is that you need to have a plan for that and say. You do need to have a plan for that. And you, yeah. need to, you need to buy in. So in our firm, you need to get buy in. So in our firm, we have a set of culture, we have a set of values, five values, and our team has developed those together, and so they've all bought into what those values are because they're the value they're important for everybody. That's a um, great idea. And so you know you do that through workshops, getting independent specialists in to help you do that kind of thing. And it's and it's something that we do you know every couple of years, um, and yep. it's, it's really valuable. Yeah, that's and, and see this is where. Um, this is what other industries do all the time. I've been, right. you know, I've experienced that a lot in other industries, but not, you know, I don't hear of it happening in law firms. So I think probably your your background, you're bringing that extra um, into your firm because you know that you've got that background. Yeah, that's right. So let's let's get on to your other amazingness at the moment. <laughs> you have last week become a bestseller on Amazon. So you are, you're a published author. So tell us about your book. Oh, thanks, Carly. The book is called The Splits, How to Help Your Kids Navigate Separation and Divorce. Um, I'm, so, I'm so proud of it. So I'm how does the book come about? Okay, so I've always wanted to write a book um, and probably a bit stupidly, when I started my firm in September, 
and I was, you know, getting that already, I thought, you know, it'd be a really good idea to write a book now as well, because I'm not that busy. So I'll start writing a book and then that would be something good that would help me with my business down the track. I can't believe you did that. Yeah, that that was dumb, wasn't it? Now, because when you first came to me and inquired about the Scalable Business Lounge, you said, I don't think I have time to do it. (laughs) Righto. (laughs) So so I kind of thought when I first started um, writing the book, I thought that's like I've got time during the week to do this. Mm. And that quickly changed as it does. Um, so what I ended up doing, I, I had to get very structured with it, but I think now for anyone that I speak to about writing a book, structure is the way to go. Mm-hmm. You would know this cause you've written books. You've, yes, you've I've written three. Re- I've actually yeah. written four books, but I've only published three. Yeah. We've got to talk about that. You, know, you really need to publish that yeah. one that you've got hiding on your bookshelf. But anyway, get that manuscript out, dust it off. Yes. It's all transcribed. It's all, um, typeset ready to go. I just have to actually send it to the printers. Come on. Um, but look, so what I what I did was I I blocked off my weekends. So I ended up working. I was working seven days a week because I was working, um, you know, on my firm and in my firm, um, and at the same time working writing on Saturdays and Sundays. But look, to just to you know to let you in on a little secret, I actually really enjoyed that time because it got me. It, it gave me some time to myself. Yes, and it actually really it really helped me to solidify why I was running my firm as well. Yes. It, it's amazing what it does, like nearly yeah. to actually write all of those thoughts on paper. Yes. And it makes it it makes you really pull together your thought structure. Yes. Um so yeah, so it was it's been an it's been a life changing experience as far as the writing of it. We will see what happens with, you know, how many copies I end up actually getting out there into the universe. But the book is, it's written not for lawyers. It's written for people who are going through separation and divorce and not just mums or dads, um, you know, aunties, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, so, anyone but is it who's involved. So specifically for helping children through separation? So it, yeah. so it's, so it's, the audience is, you know, parents and carers, but it's about helping their kids get through separation. Yeah. yeah. There's other, t- there's other things in the book, um, you know, generally about the court system, but it's very much related to how, you know, how to get your kids through it. So lots of information about conversations that you need to have with your kids and just as importantly, things that you need to be leaving out of those conversations that you shouldn't be talking to your kids about. Um, you know, and all of that stems currently yeah. from, and you would, you would have this experience as well from me spending hours and hours with clients saying, you said what to your kids? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. we're not, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go that way in yeah. this situation. So it's, I think it's really going to be very helpful moving forward for people to read that book, to get a good idea and a good picture of, what they need to be doing moving through their separation process. The wonderful thing about writing a book or creating content like you have is that it's it's when it's done, it's in the world forever. So, you know, like that book is still going to be relevant and impactful in 20 years' time. We, wow. Yeah, I have kind of thought of that. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I, it's actually um, just been deposited onto into the National Library of Australia in That's Canberra. Amazing. I know, isn't it amazing? And I yeah. thought, wow, this is this is a big deal. That's so cool. Yes, that's amazing. Um, so you became a bestseller on Amazon, which was very impressive and really cool. Uh-huh. 
Thank you. Yes, that was really, really exciting. So how are you going to be getting it out into the world? Um, well, I have got lots and lots of plans for that um, as far as, um, you know, marketing the the book. And as you said before, it's all about that content. So there's so much content there that I will be sharing, um, you know, through marketing initiatives with social media, um, you know, doing interviews and things like that. Um, and also it's just, it's a resource and this is something that I need to really explore further. It's not just for, it's not just to go out to, for my clients or for, you know, for people who come to find me. I think there's a really, a really good market for other lawyers or psychologists or counsellors, other professionals who deal with kids and separation to be able to use this book as a resource for their clients. So to be able to give it to their clients um, as a way to help them. So I need to look into that about how I can um, get the message out there to those networks as well to share the book to them and do, you know, professional bundles and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting. You've got an amazing business card right there. Yeah, it's like a business card on steroids, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Absolutely is. So let me ask, and I haven't asked this question of you before, so I don't know the answer, but how did you find the Scalable Business Lounge? Um, I found it by stumbling across one of your podcasts. I'm just trying to remember how I came across that, but I came across one of your um, podcasts and thought, oh, this lady gets it. She really gets it. You could, I could tell straight away that you were, you were not just a lawyer, and it's okay to be just a lawyer. I'm not saying that it's not okay for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not just a lawyer. You get the big picture, and that's what I needed moving forward. To at at that point, it was to have the courage to move forward with um, doing, you know, making some big decisions, but also to work out the all the bitsy pieces that I have to do as well. So yeah, so I stumbled across a podcast listened to you, um, started to think, yeah, I feel like I really know this person now and they get me because what they're saying is exactly what I, you know, I need to hear. Um, yeah. And then got involved and got, um, you and I connected up and we had a chat about, um, figures and things. Do you remember that? You took me through that. So, um, so sometimes people can either come through into the scalable business lounge through a workshop or they can, um, go online and fill in a form and then I can hop online and have a sort of one-on-one with them to work through some figures and things like that, which I think just helps you to, when you see figures on paper and you see all that data, it just makes sense and it just seems so easy. Otherwise, it's all just rattling around in your head. It's so true, Carly. It just stripped it all back for me to say it's it, this is actually simple because you can actually, if you know that, if you know the data, you can make decisions. Yes, and it's predictable then. It's predictable and you and you should not be relying on your gut. I think there's some things you can rely on your gut for, like, for example, is that person a right fit for yes. my firm? Yes, but so much of what we as business owners we think or we feel is actually t- so incorrect and the reason it's incorrect <laughs> is because we're emotionally connected you know, and, and it's like our children, you know, some people just don't have the ability to see, like if they have a naughty child, they don't have the ability to see that they have a naughty child because they're so emotionally entangled in what it means for them, you know, or whatever. And so that's the same with us as business owners. We're so entangled in what it means for us yes. to be successful or to fail, to yep. have income or to not, or to be struggling to 
you know, and so when it comes to things or when we're busy, you know, we'll say, you'll say, oh, I've been so busy this month. But then you'll look at the figures and you'll think, but that doesn't make sense. Mm. So it's like, I've had so many inquiries, but have you? Or do you just, you know, and so we, we lie to ourselves or we don't actually know. And then when you, when you actually know for a fact, these are the amount of inquiries we've had. Yes. This is the amount we've converted. Yes. This is actually the, um, the figure that it is that where, you know, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. I think, I think it's human nature. People talk stuff up. People yes. talk things up. And when you, when you look at the data, you see the reality. Yeah. So as you just said, you can't, it, it's not good enough to say, wow, I had a busy week and I feel like I spoke to so many, you know, potential clients. It's been a, it's been a great week. I've been so busy. And then just leave it there because in your mind, you could be just talking that up. It might be feeling different to what it actually is. That's to go right. back and to actually look at that data and to say there were four initial consults this week. Yes. How many of those actually converted and put money in my trust account. Exactly. And then you can go back and say, and so so what's wrong there? You know, how can we tweak that back to the processes? How can we tweak those processes to make sure that we, then you can look at conversion rates and that kind of thing. So there's so much that you get from that data. And I think a lot of business owners don't ever, ever look at that. No. And so, for example, on that data, you know, I... Um, where you do a lot of advertising, different digital, and I've tried everything under the sun. Like I've tried banner ads, I've tried radio, <laughs> I've tried Google ads, I've tried Facebook ads, all of good. that. And I've That's good. I'm glad it. you have because yes. I'll just be listening to what you say about yes. it. Then. <laughs> and I've measured it all. Um, so I know exactly what has worked for me and what hasn't. Where And so, for example, with my radio ads, the, con- the conversion rate, like the cost of getting the client in the door was about 3500 compared to the cost of getting uh, someone in the door for a Google ad, which is about 500 So, And the fact that you know that, so, d- like down to that detail, means that you can make s- such good decisions moving forward about where you're going to invest in marketing down correct. the track. Yes, and, and it takes time to get that data and it's boring. You know, like yeah, it's not it is fun. And so it's easy to make excuses not to do it because it's mm. boring and it's onerous. But once you've got it, it can save you thousands and thousands of dollars and wasted time as well. And now when I hear other family law firms advertising on the radio around the Gold Coast, I think, you oh, just well. laugh. <laughs> not me wasting my money. Yeah, you just go it's, enjoy that ride. It's great for branding. There is no doubt about it. It's great for recognition. It's you know, it's not a waste of it's money good necessarily. It's good for your ego. All of that stuff, um, all of that stuff, but it's not necessarily great for directly bringing people in the door. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting when you actually, when you have a feeling about something, but then you match that feeling with data, how different that can actually be. Yeah, that's right. And you've got to be able to measure everything, don't you? It's so important to know yeah. that. I just, you know, think of, you know, local real estate agencies who support the local football team, which is lovely. That's really lovely. And that's a branding exercise. But how do you actually measure that? How do you measure the, um, you know, the, the success of yeah. that kind of a spend? Well, you're, you're asking every client when they come in the door how they've heard from you. Um, so you can measure it that way, but sometimes it can be hard because they might have seen you at the rugby club and then they might have gone, Oh, I, I need a family lawyer and then Googled you and That's seen right. that you were there. And so there was that double recognition. So it That's is right. difficult to m- exactly measure 
you know, and so as long as you know that that is branding and you're not necessarily going to get clients directly from that because I've done all that as well as branding and, you know, you, you, we still need to do some of that. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely, it's, it's really trying to, to reach each of those touch points, isn't it? Yes, that's right. So in the Scalable Business Lounge, you haven't been in there too long yet, but what has sort of been your biggest learnings or takeaways? Well, my biggest thing at the moment is my biggest takeaway at the moment, because I have literally just started in there, is that it's very important to block off time to actually do the work because there is so much content in there. It's crazy, Carolee. It's just, I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't expect that, the amount of content and the workbooks and everything that just keep you on track to do what you need to do to step through the processes. Um, so I've just really just started at the very beginning and I'm working through and, you know, going through my, my visions and goals for the firm at this point. Um, yeah. So, so at the moment, my biggest takeaway is that it's, if, you know, to do this, you've got to be very, very strict with your time, um, and get in there and actually do the work as well. Like, and I think know, the other thing that I just to remind people about growing a business or scaling a business is that it's not an overnight thing. You know, it, it takes time and it takes time to implement all of this stuff. And a lot of it is an ongoing implementation. So systems, for example, it's ongoing. And as your business grows, your systems need to change to accommodate mm. more people um, and, you know, things like that. So it's really um, about getting in the habits of implementing these things as you grow so that you can be scalable. Otherwise, you will get to a point in your business that you can't grow or scale any further. I think that that just rings true to me and it comes back to that whole idea as well of really being able to say to yourself, I'm going to block X amount of time off every week to absolutely do nothing else but work on my business. Yes. Um, you know, and not be that service provider as such but to be doing that other stuff if your goal is to grow. Yes. Yeah. And if your goal isn't and you simply want to be a service provider in your business, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, in that's terms right. Of doing what you love to do and doing it for 40 hours a week um, or probably not that much. You could probably service provide for 30 and then leave 10 for admin and all of that kind of stuff. Um but, you know, like if you want to do that, but if you want to have more freedom away from your business, you need to be able to create a scalable um, model. That's right. So no matter what site, no matter what your goal is for the size of your firm, whether you do want to just be, a, you know, if not just, but if you want to be a sole practitioner, stick the, the whole idea of putting processes into place is still beneficial because it just means that you end up working less. Yeah, because you're more efficient, right? That's right. And there's That's so right. many things that even still come up now in, in my firm where it's like, oh, what do we do with this thing? So it's like, okay, well, we need to make a new system because that's not <laughs> covered because life is full of, you know. I think I heard you I heard you saying that the other day. I was listening to a podcast, Carolee, and you were saying to it, you were saying um, if someone comes and asks you something twice, Turn it into a process. Yes. It needs a process. Yes. It's a yep. good rule of thumb. I it think. is a good rule of thumb because why be an idiot and repeat yourself 50 million times? Because <laughs> it's that's boring, right? <laughs> but people do. They constantly repeat themselves and they get frustrated with everyone else around that's them right. for asking the question. And it's like, but you haven't actually taken charge and led. So 
you know, you're you're you haven't, you know, you're you're allowing your people not to think for themselves because you haven't given them a structure. That's it. That's exactly right. And the beauty that I've had over the past couple of weeks with having Sabrina on board is that when something like that comes up, I've been saying we should make a process for that. And then she's been going off and actually doing that, which is fantastic. So we're starting to really build that database of processes and 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 actually have it written down. And it doesn't have to be you. And do you know what? It's actually better if it's not you creating the process because then you have buy-in. When your team team creates the process, they buy it because it's their process and it's what actually works for them because a lot of the time as the business owner, we're not the ones doing the doing. So sometimes we don't even know how things work best. Right. And we don't want to know how things work best. We just want to solve the problem so that we're not the one who's having to answer the questions all the time. Very true. Yeah. So you have been in practice now in your own practice for nearly a year. What are you going to do for the one year celebration? I I haven't even I haven't had time to think about it. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? Um, seeing that we're in COVID, I don't think we'll be doing too much at all. I might have to just have some Zoom drinks. Yes, Zoom drinks sound good. Well, I think that you should be incredibly proud of yourself. You have come oh, an amazing distance in such a short time. And really you've just taken the leap and, you know, and showed up and done the work. You've become a best seller in the last you know, 12 months as well, as well as being in lockdown and employed someone. Like, it's amazing. What a wrap. Yes, Thanks, mate. So I, think I'll, I think I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> so where do people find you? Uh, well, my my firm is olonefamilylaw.com.au. Um, I'm on um, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, and the book, the, at the moment, the book's being sold on a website that is um bronolone.com um we will have a link eventually back to the um to the um firm but I really wanted to have that separate because I feel like it's a separate thing um so that would be the place to go to buy the book but yeah that's where I am I'm all over the shop well everyone will be looking you up and um thanks so much for coming on the podcast today thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it it was fun Thank you for listening to the Being Unstoppable podcast brought to you by the Scalable Business Lounge. If you would love to learn how to scale your law firm without burnout, then join my free workshop at caroliefontanelli.com. Until next time, you have got this.